Welcome to another episode of the Fanzone Podcast. Your home for all things Bolton Wanderers up the trotters, the Northwest's number one podcast. Good evening, ladies and gents. Welcome back to another episode of the Fan Zone Podcast. We are delighted to have you all with us once again. What an episode we've got lined up for you this evening. So what can you expect? Coming up, we've got, of course, our post-match reactions following a very impressive, not performance, but result uh, against Shrewsbury. Uh, 2-0 and 18 points out of our last 21. We're certainly making our way up that table. We'll have Angie's Fan Zone Man of the Match, of course, followed by Callum's newest segment, Get Stat On. We'll touch on Colin's pre-match presser. We'll have our newest segment, What's the Score? And, of course, we'll finish on Chris's Fan Zone Fan Focus. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Well... It's a pretty good result, yeah. weren't it? It was uh, it was all right, so to speak. Um, I mean, let's just get stuck into post-match reactions, shall we? Uh, I mean, all three of us... Uh, all three of us gents were, were at the game last night and unfortunately had to watch on, on iFollow, uh, Wanderers TV, whatever it's coined as nowadays. Chris, uh, if, Colin, we'll go to you first. What were your Chris, thoughts Chris, on What were your thoughts on, on last night's game? My thoughts on last night's game are it's a bloody good job we've got Paris Montgomery in our side. <laughs> Right. That is my assessment of last last night's game. I thought we were absolutely atrocious in that first half. However, he was the only player on that pitch who looked like he were going to do something, with the exception slightly of of, of George George Thomason, because I thought he played pretty well throughout as, as normal. Usual seven out of ten. That, but Paris always looks like he's going to unlock doors. He always looks like he's available. He always looks like he's progressive. Um, and he's a very he's a very very talented footballer. It's becoming quite clear that that's the case. Um, on top of that, obviously he's adding goals to his game, which is obviously um, really good, and he deserved that goal last night. Um, but yeah, the performance itself it's one of them again, isn't it? We 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 seem to keep um, winning football games, and we don't necessarily play too well. And I'm all for that. Um, I got a little bit frustrated at times last night, like a, a lot of the fourteen hundred that went down there, um, but. Only because it's a little bit irritating from time to time when they stick at what they what they get coached and what they get told. And I asked myself the question, I think I might have been asked Chris actually last night, do I like it that they continue to just stick mm -hmm. at it and, and build slowly from the back, even though you just think to yourself, you know, like, get, let's get the ball forward a little bit. But they do it for a reason and, and, and it works, doesn't it? So, uh, but yeah, my overall assessment of last night is it's a bloody good job we have Paris. We win. Absolutely. Um, sticking to our guns, you know, it seems to work. That second half soon brightened up as, as Shrewsbury began to tire. Chris, what did you make of the game? Who do you think stood out for you? Uh, was Paris on, on your list of standouts? Oh, yeah, you, you, you don't you don't understand football if you don't realise that he's something a bit, like Colin said, something a bit special. Isn't it the definition of insanity? Trying the same thing over and over again and expect <laughs> a different outcome. Um, but Ever often gets called arrogant, stubborn. Um, I, I see it a different way because I'm a HC, um, happy clapper, um, in the sense that he's confident in what he does. He's got a clear objective. He's got clear goals. And he goes to get them um, by applying what he knows and what he's developing. So carry on doing it. But we'll talk about it in the feedback a bit later on. Just a little bit. And I think we mentioned this a while ago. Do we need a plan B? No, we'll stick with plan A. We'll fine tune it. 
to accommodate what's in front of us. And I thought we did that really well last night. We tried them out in that first half without being too effective. They were really well organised. And sometimes you've got to give credit to an opposition uh, strategy and the way that they set up. Matty Taylor had them man to man and they were relentless. There was nothing you could do. Um, if there was any sort of glimmer of an opening, it was something that was a little bit untoward to unlock it. And typically it was Magoma who was um, the orchestrator. He is, he's just a, a really, really special footballer um, and only going to get better. Like Cole said, he's added goals to his games, granted ones that he scoffed. Come on, is it? Okay. So uh, a goal's a goal. It's uh, it's good to see him adding goals. I think he's already beaten his tally in less games uh, than he had at MK Dons last season, which is good to see. Ange, obviously, Paris uh, was a standout player. What did you make of, of Shrewsbury's approach to the game? Were you surprised at all? I mean, we saw it from the stands that they seemed to play a very man-to-man approach and at times did did almost try and play as our own game of, of, of breaking from the back and almost baiting a press for, from Wanderers. What did you make of their approach? I mean, it was hats off to him. They'd done the research. They suffocated the wing backs. They were big. They were a big physical team. They were a lot of late boots, you know, just nasty, like little little niggly bits with Geth's ankle. And there was just, I thought, credit to them. They came out, they, they executed the game plan really well, mm. stifled us. And it's a two, it's a three points that I'm, running away with happily I, i'm at a point where i don't care i want to get out of this league <laughs> i don't care how we get them points um people have said in the past win ugly win how you've got to win and people are still not happy with that would i love to watch some beautiful free-flowing football every game yeah we ain't gonna the pitch was narrow bobbly apparently from from the looks yeah. of the ball looked like it was bouncing everywhere um and for me that was a really good win last night and and, yeah. and hats off to Shrewsbury for executing a really good, solid game plan. They, they did. And to add to that, I thought they did execute the game plan very well. And, and for what they for what they've got at their disposal, yeah, you gotta gotta tip your hat to them. But they were very poor. Like it's yeah. poor as poor as we were in the in, in the first half. They they never really looked like scoring. I know we're never really too concerned to be fair. No. I mean, everything looked flat from from watching it on the telly. You what you are in the crowd, but there was no atmosphere. The, yeah. Everyone on the pitch, it, it was boring. That first half was dull, really, really dull. But like yeah. I said, a bit, a bit more spark and a bit, and that ball from Georgia, that Dion missed. Oh no! Some really nice little touches of brilliance, but a lot of cat. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I tweeted last night when I got home. That we, that I think we'd have, we'd have probably lost that game last season, wouldn't we? I think. Oh yeah. Um, just because it ended up just getting like a scrappy set piece or whatever, and switch off or whatever, and we'd have conceded. But I, I would we never. We're on this side of the scrappiness. You could yeah, say this time, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Positive signs. Absolutely. It was a great three points on the road. And as always, for those of you who are watching at home, we can see your comments coming into the chat. So a good evening to all of you. But as always, as we're going along, get your comments in about what we're talking about and we'll pick some of them out and have a little little chat about them. Uh, and, and on that note, we'll uh, we'll hand over to Ange for her fan zone and our match. I will put my spectacles on for this because I can't see. Um, so as per usual... If you would like to pop your man of the match in the chat, and I'll try and have a look through and see who you think deserves it. But we will, as always, start with the panel, and we'll go to Chris this week first. Um, man of the match, Pudsey Bear, maybe. For getting, the, for getting the Mexican wave going, or not, as the case may be. <laughs> what um, was going on? People who didn't go, Chris, you're going to have to explain what happened there with that one. What I mean, it was announced before the game on social media that obviously with children in need coming up that Pudsey Bear would be at the, the crowd of Meadow or whatever it's called these days. Um, and they had a, a an announcer on a female 
announcer on with Pudsy Bear. And the aim was to get as many successive Mexican waves going around the stadium as possible. I think five was um, the aim. Yeah. And it started behind the goal opposite to where the Bolton fans were, came round to the Bolton fans and back round again. And when it came to the Bolton fans, no, none yeah. of them. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not playing them games. We tried, we tried it five times, didn't we, Chris? And each yeah, time yeah. they got yeah, it. We could just, you could just hear her screaming in the background. So, like, obviously, when I follow goes off, it just kind of puts some match stats on, doesn't it? And you could just hear yeah. this woman screaming in the background. The best thing about it was that the play, the Wanderers players, that the substitutes were warming up at half time and they were right in front of the Wanderers fans and they were in bits. They were cracking it up. They were loving it. Mm-hmm. You might have spurred them on in that second half, you know. It might have been. Say, that might have been what drove yeah. them. <laughs> but apart from that, I don't think you can give it to anybody else. But but Magoma, I think the only one who possibly pushed him. I mean, Rico had a very solid game. Um, he he, he was his one of those typical Rico performances where he just out muscled. Um. Did a great job. Toll played well. Forrester did excellent when he came on. But for me, it's got to be it's got to be Magoma. He just made it tick, um, and it could have been a really really tough night. Um, but do you know what? Do you know what? And me, I watched the match with Chris last night at mine, and yeah. we we both thought that Owen Toll had a poor match last night. And we did. We said it's it's amazing the difference when you're there watching because you don't see the off the ball stuff at all. Mm, and it yeah. just looked like he was struggling a little bit on the ball last night. Um, yeah. So I was I really surprised see, actually that I, you. I can see where that comes from actually because we were comments on it, commenting on it last night because obviously he's not playing in his strongest position. Yeah, like playing on the left hand side, and, and he he is very very one footed. Um, yeah, and it, 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 and it meant that a lot of his passing out was very predictable. I think when he came to the fore last season, it was it was all to do with the fact that he really sort of pushed forward. He came out of the pocket and he pushed forward. So you you countering Santos's diagonal balls by another centre half coming out of the pocket and driving play on. Um, being really, really positive, and he can't do that on that side because of because he's so one-footed, um, and it's hindering him. But you know what? You know what? I think there was a contributing factor last night to Owen Tolls a slight, you know, not as as, yeah. as great or consistent performance as normal. I think he relies quite heavily on his um, anticipation on where the ball's going to go, um, and his reading of the game. And obviously, it's tough. I've seen somebody put his touch were a bit off, and I, th- I do think that 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 pitch yeah. was a massive contributing factor to that. Um, because it seemed, it seemed a little bit disorientated from time to time. Yeah, and, that's what you look like. You look um, like and I think that's possible, possibly one of the reasons why. I, th- I thought he dealt with a lot of the stuff early pretty well. I just think on the on the floor, like you say, we're a little bit off. But I, th- I think the pitch is a, is, is a massive uh, point to that because I don't think you can ordinarily critique the lad. He can play no. anywhere. Across that back three, pretty comfortably to be fair. Um, and it's not often I say, "Oh, he's having a bit of a, he's having a bit of a, a shocker here." But yeah. it, and it, I think sometimes when you've got a player that plays consistently well, like Owen, it just stand out a little bit more if he's a little bit off his game. But um, yes, yeah, so I just thought I'd quickly discuss that because it yeah, can look so nice. different, can't it, when you're watching it yeah. live? To, to very much so. On oh, see, to see where you're coming from, though. Um, so, Colin, who is your man of the match? Well, I mean, I started I started the podcast, didn't I, by uh, saying how how important Paris was last night, and, and I, I have to say, Paris McGormick was man of the match. It's it's quite simple. I just think that he's sorry. If anybody wondering what I'm doing, I've got I've got a little uh, fidget spinner that Theo got out of his um, <laughs> Kinder egg, so I'm playing with that while I'm thinking. Um, so yeah, he, he was. Fun. I, I just think it's clear that he, he's, he's got. He's just sat couple of seconds ahead of, of, of players in and around him. Um, he's touching, obviously, he's, he's, the, the way he can open his body up and, and play them kind of intricate passes that 
you know, we don't ordinarily see at this level. Um, and he, he's beginning to stand out and, and he's keeping a very, 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 very good player in Aramoli at the side. So I think that's an indication as to how good he is. Because there's no doubt Aramoli is one of the best midfielders in this division at what he does uh, when he's on it. Um, but obviously Paris is keeping him out. Um, I think it's an interesting conversation to have when Carl Dempsey comes comes back. Obviously, I think he'd have started last night, Kyle, and I think he'd have made a massive difference in that first start. Just throughout the game, actually. Um, but yeah, yesterday Paris was 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 great and you know, congrats on another goal. Long long may that continue, because if you can add goals to his game from midfield, you you you're on to a winner, really. Um and he probably won't end up staying with us if if he carries on scoring goals from midfield, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a, he's a he's a cracking footballer. Just while you brought up Dempsey then, did everyone see that they've welcomed Jet Ruben Dempsey to the fold? Absolute game changer, Kyle. Best of luck, mate. Yeah, yeah. watching. I spent I spent twenty minutes before trying to find my coasters and I found them in some pile of books over there. So yeah, you've got all that to come, mate. Um, so well, let's move on to Benjamin. He's yours. Was gonna give it to uh, Rico Santos just on the basis of consistency across the ninety. Uh, he was gonna get my vote, but I sat and I thought about it, and in the end, I've I've echoed exactly what Colin and, and Chris have said, and I'm gonna give it to Paris Edmund Magoma. I thought his distribution uh, was good, and there were a few instances where a few of his passes were wayward, but I thought he, he created space well. The way he at times he was a little bit off it. I think we all know that. But when he was, you know, on top of his game last night, the way he finds the pockets uh, and operates in them on both the inside and the outside of of Randall Williams last night was fantastic. You know, he was there for the overlap a number of times, but he also came inside uh, and offered something different. And for me, I thought he was excellent. Uh, and long may that continue. So for me, Can it's I Paris. Can I just add something about Paris's game last night? What I thought, you just touched upon it a little bit then, Ben. I thought he he, he started the game very well. He was showing, he, he would make, obviously, running the midfield in fairness to him. But then he dropped quite significantly in terms of the, his performance towards the end of the first half. But then it just shows how, how good the lad is and how, how, either his character mm. or his belief in himself that he can come back all guns blazing in the second half and, and practically win us the game. Um, so I think that deserves a bit of a shout because obviously, especially as a young player, a, a competitive level like this is and, and a combative level like this is, for him to come back and show his character and, and, and practically win us the game deserves a, a bit of a shout as well, to be fair. It was very similar to Josh Bean at Wickham. So in the second half at Wickham, when Wickham pulled it back to two all and he was like, Right, we need somebody to really yeah. grab up, grab by the scruff of the neck, and, yeah. and go again. She, she did it that night, and I thought Magoma did it last night. And for what you know, for someone so young, like you say, college shows a lot of character that because it, mm -hmm. we're, we're thinking about players using initiative on the pitch as opposed to what the coach to do, like mm -hmm. like you touched on earlier, and, and he showed initiative and said, "Right, come on." Let's have it. Um, very, very similar. Well, it? it shows his pedigree, doesn't it? Self-belief, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's pedigree. Um, yeah. I don't know whether you're going to touch upon this, Ben, but um, Martin Dawson's asked a question. While we're talking about the midfield, I thought it might be worth discussing um, when he's asked. Well, we'll, we'll give Ange a man of the match vote and then we'll, we'll touch on the comments. <laughs> right. So... But for some reason, the, the chat's not coming up very well. I keep going, keep refreshing. But I think from the grand scheme of things in the chat, it's a Paris victory. There's a couple of recalls in there. There's a couple of tolls. And there's a, a Josh Dacus Cogley, who I mm. actually really rate and I always think he, he has a really good match. Um, but yeah. I also, it's a clean sweep for the panel. I've gone Paris and Magoma with my man of the match. Cracking. Trebia. 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 We will touch on Martin Dawson's comment now. So, Carl, will hand over to you. Martin said, when everyone is fit, what's our best midfield three? Carl, fire away. Excellent. 
Cheers. Um, I think it depends on the on, on the opposition. In fairness, and I know that's been a bit a crap response, but I think when when you're at home and, and you've got that team sitting deep or the low block as it's called these days, um, you you you're, you're obviously asking players to unlock doors, aren't you? Um, and I think. I'm, I'm just getting around the question here. I, I honestly don't know, to be honest with you, if I'm, if I'm being completely transparent. We've got too many good options in that midfield. I, I'm, it's I'm, hard I'm, for classes, do you not know think? Yeah, when we've got, when we've got, that, when we've got a, a good number of fully fit midfielders, it's absolutely hardest for classes, and we change it according to the opposition. We didn't we? Whilst he's had a brilliant season, he is maybe less so now, but he's still very much a luxury player, isn't he? He's, you know, he, he's a player that. The player you'd like to be able to save on occasion. Yeah, yeah, and he can drop out of games. It can it can pass him by a little bit, and I think um, it, <laughs> nice one, Liam. That's just chucked another curveball in. If you can bring up Liam's comment, please, Ben. I've answered the question. The question, you have. <laughs> There's another one. For oh, yeah. yeah, I think we have to, Liam. Yeah. Yeah. Just to make uh, just to make this conversation a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it, it, now. <laughs> yeah, considering we've got we've we had such a poor summer and we've got so many limited options, then you know, I'm a bit surprised with it with, with the options that we've got. Um Carl Dempsey, yeah, you, you have to have him in. Um George Thomason, I think you have to have him in. I think the reason for them to is just that they're all around. They're all around offering, I think, as those midfielders. And the fact that they can put the foot in as well, because I think we missed that massively. And I think you need that against like 80% of this league. And the other one is just up in the air. Um, I'd probably say Sheehan. But if Paris carries on the way he's going, then, you know, it, it's hard. And it's a very, very hard question, Martin. So thank you very much for that. And I've yeah, definitely, well. answered, definitely not answered it. If people want to answer it in the chat, feel free. Who's your who's your midfield yeah. three? Yes, put it in there, please. It's like forty odd of you watching, so just yeah. tell us three, like three names. Don't elaborate. Just put the names in. Three. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We will oh, uh... change the formation. Oof, curveball. No, yeah, just think three. Tell us what you think. Keep it simple. Get your three names in the comments, and we will pick some out. Who is your midfield three? I mean, a lot could depend on on opposition, but if you were to pick uh, your first starting midfield three, who are you going with? As Chris said, don't 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 elaborate too much. Just stick the names in, and we'll we'll, we'll see what the the common denominator is amongst the viewers section. I think it'll be a slow response because it's a very very difficult question to answer. Yeah. Just drop Jack has gone for Sheehan, Thomason and Dempsey. Martin has gone for Sheehan, Paris and Dempsey. Andrew has gone for Sheehan, Dempsey, Magoma. Bailey has gone for Tomo, Sheehan, Dempsey. It's all the same Dempsey, place. Sheehan, Magoma. Sheehan, Magoma, Thomason. There's a... Yeah. Lots of similar names. The only one that doesn't seem to be be in there is, is of course, Aaron Morley. Um, which... You know what? It's crazy to think that, isn't it? Because if you think about him as a, as a midfielder in terms of his abilities and his ability to control the game as well, especially the way we play, it's really it's really surprising that, isn't it? And I, why is that? Why is it? It's difficult. What? what why, is, why is Morley... Why is Morley not a mainstay in everyone's mindset? Because is he just because he's slightly dropped off? He's had a little bit of a drop of far recently. And is it is it recent? He's not the first yeah. name in that midfield three, is he for people? Maybe I don't know. His form has, has dips, but you need to I think you need to consider the, the succession planning. Is it is it a case that Markham and Everett have identified the fact that there's a drop off and you know the recruitment has been based around that and what we've yeah. brought in? It's just better. Mm. Well, well, that, I mean, there was a, a severe well, lack of depth last season in terms yeah. of, of the midfield. I don't think we had many good options. Obviously, Thomason wasn't really around for a lot of the season. Uh, so to have him back's great. But yeah, it's just a case of 
of horses for courses, as Ange said. Um, right, we are going to move ben, on. Ben, one more thing. Despite all of that, and just to add to this as well, I, I, I still think we need to add a midfielder to the mix in January. Oh, can we park it? Sorry. Yeah. I'm in park it. it. Sorry. <laughs> just, just to throw that, that rod in there. Um, and, and also, Ben, please don't mention horses on social media. Oh dear, yeah, we'll uh, stay away from that one. Horses, dogs, kangaroos, they're all out of the question. And frogs, anyway. Oh yeah, and frogs. That's uh... (laughs) a... Oh dear. I'm lost. Moving... (laughs) You don't want to know. Just moving swiftly on. We would like to say a huge thank you to our headline sponsors for this season, Eco Warm Windows, right in the middle down here. Uh, if you want to find out more about any of our sponsors, then if you head over to www.fanzonepod.co.uk, you can find out everything you need to know. Ben, but, oh, hey, oh. Ben, can you add something to that? If you're watching this, if you want to support your people watching this, and you think, you know what, this podcast is pretty good, and you know they've got some good sponsors and stuff, and you either yeah. own a business or you know somebody who owns a business, then we've always got a sponsor opportunities available. So if you want us to do lots of shout-outs to your business, then get in touch with Ben. Dude. Or me. Indeed. Head over to the website. And uh, you can find out all you need to know. All the details are on there. If you head over to the sponsor page, you'll find out everything you need to know. But we've got a uh, a very, very, very exciting announcement. And if you haven't heard it, we're just going to give you a a little teaser of what's to come. Tomorrow, 7.30pm, Be There or Be Square, our one-year anniversary special. Can you believe it's a year? Where's it gone? uh, Unbelievable. What a 12 months it's been, and what better way to celebrate than with episode 60, the Fanzone Pod one-year anniversary special. We can't wait. Um, We really, really can't wait. So get involved with that. Uh, come and have a chat, come and have a natter, tune in, because it's going to be an absolute belter. Get some cans in. Treat yourselves. That's the spirit. <laughs> come and enjoy it. Dogs come in. Hang on. What? Oh, you got a visitor. Oh. We've got a mojo. Yeah, on, yeah. Keith, settle down. Yeah, no, Keith, lad. Yeah. Anyway, let's hand over to our newest segment. Callum forgets that on. Good evening, ladies and gents. This is the Statman himself speaking to you about the preview for the upcoming game against Blackpool. So, Blackpool currently sit eighth in the table with 24 points. However, they have actually created the second highest expected goals with 19.24 and they've scored 19 goals. So basically, and they should score if they do. Uh, Blackpool will look to play out from the back where possible, but they do not depend on this, and can go direct if necessary, with 28 build-up attacks and 23 direct attacks this season. 
Jordan Rhodes appears to be the biggest threat with an average rating of 7.5, highest in the Blackpool squad, and nine goals and three assists so far this season. James Husband is also key at the back, and it won't be easy for Bolton, especially from set pieces where Blackpool have conceded just 2.43 expected goals. They are most certainly not donkeys on the beach. Yes, I know it's a shit pun, but I apologise. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> Gotta love it. You've got to love it. It gets better every week, doesn't it? It just gets better every week. Come on. Oh, absolutely lovely. Our, our very own resident stat man. But we've now got another new segment. So we're gonna we're gonna give you something new. We're uh, we we're treating you tonight. We really are. We've got a couple of uh, guests backstage. So we are gonna hand over to our newest segment. What's the score? So, if you'd like to get involved with this in the future, then we will be getting guests on. Uh, so, What's the Score is our newest segment where we'll be welcoming on our fellow Bolton fans to talk about the upcoming game. So, you can guess the score, get your predictions in, just a quick little segment, and we can uh, just just have a good old chat. So, we this time you, we, we are... Involved, don't we, ben? we want to get you involved. Yeah, yeah. We do. We do. Especially uh, if you drink regularly contribute in the chat come on let's have a let's have a proper face to face no we don't bite except Ange. so you're all right <laughs> absolutely so we are going to welcome our first guest to the stage uh, so give a warm fan zone welcome to brandon oh. evening hello. brandon how are we hello hello everyone hello hello hi hello it's a pleasure to have you with us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm a bit tired after last night, but we go again, <laughs> don't we? We do. We move. It was uh, a late night all around, I think. So up next is Blackpool, as uh, as Callum mentioned then. Not looking like it's going to be plain sailing for the Whites. It's going to be a tough old game. What are you expecting from the game? Give us your score prediction. Who do you think is going to score? Who do you think is going to be the standout players, perhaps from both teams? What are you thinking, Brandon? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a tough one. Blackpool are no mugs. They're, they're no. a good side. They are slightly inconsistent, but then we can be that as well. Um, they're bringing a good travelling following as well. Like they're bringing like 4,000. So the atmosphere is going to be really good, which I'm looking forward to. I want us to show up. And if we do show up, I believe that we can win 2 or 3 nil. I believe... No. Well, it's, it's not belief, it's more hope. I think... <laughs> uh, the hope that kills I, I you, think, I, Yeah, it's... It, well, I've got... Well, I've, I've been a bottom fan for 20 years now and it's, it's all hope's all we've got in it. But um, <laughs> I'll go with a 2-0 win and I think Dion Charles is going to get a goal, as he always does. And I think Big Rico as well. I think the set-piece oh. will come in big. Um, I don't know what Blackpool like on set pieces, and all I know is that they haven't got the biggest of defenders, so maybe we can utilise that, I don't know. But I'll go over to a 2-0 win, and that's just me being hopeful, to be honest with you. So I think it didn't, didn't Callum say in his stats that they don't typically concede from set pieces? No, I think they've conceded two point, was it nine, four goals from set pieces? Um, so... <sighs> You'd hope with with the likes of Santos in the mix in the box, he can replicate what he did against Solihull. It'll be interesting to see how the game pans out, that's for certain. As always, get your comments in as we're going along. We've got another guest backstage waiting to join us. Um, so, Suchi, you'll have to forgive me because I don't actually know what your real name is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Real name's Dan. Yeah, that's yeah, a belt. Right. There we go. Suchy's a lot easier. I don't know why. I've just stuck with that. <laughs> if you want Suchy, you can be Suchy. Yeah. Either exactly. or, does me. Absolutely. So, what are you expecting from the game? Uh, Brandon's going for a 2 0 win. What are you going for? Who do you think is going to be the difference makers against Blackpool? Against Blackpool, I'd, again, if Parrish starts, I see no reason why he. He's bossing the midfield at the minute, and the hype about him is, again, I touched on it 
to everyone I've spoke about. I don't think Everett has made a bad loan signing. That's actually started the game. So, oh. Par- Paris, again, as a standout. However, I think we'll concede to Jordan Rhodes because he always seems to score against Bolton. <laughs> he never... No, that's not good. It. Don't tell us that. He's right. He's right. But I just think... Axel's conceding, especially to a Jordan, Jordan Rhodes goal, because it's just typical Rhodes. Did you watch the whatever they call it, Seaside Derby, whatever, against Fleetwood, Blackpool Fleetwood? No, I didn't watch that. It was wicked. So it was like our Jekyll and Hyde, they were, it's an exact repeat. The first half, yeah. they were dire, they were dreadful. Yeah. Fleetwood, you know, Fleetwood battered them, absolutely battered them on the counter, they, they, they have no pace. And they came out the second half like they that they completely changed their eleven, That's and they were true. unbelievable. Um, so that that worries me. That inconsistent because you're not guaranteed the same yeah. in both halves. If you turn up first half, then I worry. Yeah. If we can nail them first half and then we we're in control, then just fingers crossed we don't have another Jekyll or Hyde performance and. I think we'll do all right, but yeah, I was, I was, I wasn't impressed by their defense. I wasn't impressed. They had no pace at the back at all. Um, so I think Dion might have a, have a might have a good game. Yeah, I think um, this this is probably in a lot of Bolton fans' eyes a, one of our bigger derbies. Oh, definitely and to me. For, for me, for me, yeah, well, absolutely, yeah. For me, it obviously hasn't been hyped the way the the the. Wigan game generally is, so I think that could be a benefit to us. I think is going into that. Um, yeah, so I think that 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 we we can obviously we can we can batter any team on our day, can't we? So let's just hope it's our day on the, on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us, folks. He's not such. He's not giving us his score prediction yet. He said that we'll go, we'll go a goal down, but not actually. If, oh uh, yeah, what's the what's the full time result then? Uh, three one. Ooh. Three one. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I Who's will. Uh, I'd be very very happy with that. Um, I reckon, like Brandon said, Rico will get one, and yeah. then Charles, mm-hmm. and then there'll be one who probably surprise a few. Someone like a, a Vic or the odd Coglin. That's yeah, the, the other player who you probably wouldn't expect to see on the score sheet. Like Georgie T. Take that. <laughs> <laughs> Dan and Londoli. <laughs> Better Jerome. More chance of me scoring. Cam Jam, Jam Brilliant. Well, nice thanks one. very much for joining us for our newest segment, What's the Score? It's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for that, fellas. And uh, if you want to get involved next time, absolutely. Thanks for that. Uh, if you want to get involved next time, if you want to get involved next time head over to our twitter and you can find out all the details there but we would welcome you all on with open arms so thanks for that folks uh and we'll catch you in the next so we'll hand over to col now for his pre-match presser My sunglasses are in my car. I really oh, one day you'll remember. Oh, one day I'll remember. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, I'll, re- I'll recreate it one day. Right, pretty much presser. Wanderers versus Blackpool. Like I said before, I think in many people's eyes, this is probably one of our bigger games in terms of derbies. Um, right up there for me. Um, so, obviously, it's starting um, this Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff as normal. Um, this particular fixture dates back to February... 1896, which was an FA Cup fixture uh, between Wanderers and Blackpool, which we won 2 No, I wasn't there, by the way. <laughs> yes, and Chris wasn't there, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the record itself has been, uh, from Bolton's perspective, of course, is a win, 34 wins, um, 32 draws and 43 losses. Ooh. The most recent fixture was bet- between Wanderers and Blackpool was back on the 25th of February 2020, where Blackpool won 2-1 in front of the measly 8,116 people. Um, and I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you that in a second, because I think it's quite interesting. Uh, and the last game at the Reebok, in inverted commas, was on the 7th of October 2019, 
which was a nil-nil draw in front of 14,003 people. The reason why I mentioned the crowds is I thought it was quite interesting because ever since the pandemic, I've seen a, a massive increase in the amount of fans both going to games home and away because obviously I think it starved a lot of people during the, during COVID. Um, so I wanted to point that out because obviously everyone loves a crowd stat these days, don't they? So um, 8,000 and only 14,000 at the Reebok. Would that have been... Would that not have been right in the middle of, of Oyston's tenure? Because I know that a lot of Blackpool fans were not very happy with him, so that might be a contributing yeah. factor. But I think attendances on the whole post-COVID um, are, yeah, much better off. Yeah, just like finding quite... You're absolutely right, Ben. It probably were, it likely would have been during the, the midst of um, Mr Oyston's um, awful tenure at Blackpool. Um, but yeah, I thought it was quite an interesting angle on that. Um of course, he's managed by Neil Critchley. Um, it's his second stint at Blackpool, for those who are interested. Previously managed QPR. Um, his preferred formation, apparently, uh, according to Sofa score, is 4-4-2. Uh, he's got an average age of a squad of 25.4. So I think that's a little bit more senior than, than I was, from what I can what I understand. Um, the last five games, they've won two, drawn two, and lost one, which obviously feeds into what's been said about their inconsistencies. Um, I think we'll win the game comfortably. Uh, I think it'll be two or three nil. Um, I think we've, we're on a we're on a crest of a wave, as Chris likes to say. And they think we'll perform very well on Saturday. Um, but that's my thought. I'm not going to mention the Carlisle game and what I said about that. Um, we'll go ladies first. And with everything that's just been discussed regarding Blackpool, what are you saying? Well, we know Ange does not make predictions. Not score predictions anywhere. No. And I'm never confident or comfortable. Um, but having watched them play that Fleetwood side, whose home record is like appalling, <laughs> um, I think we'll win. And I'm leaving it there. <laughs> the lads have just given us some score scorers predictions, and you can at least give us some goal scorers. <laughs> Not I don't do it. I ain't, I ain't breaking that. I'm not breaking that tradition. Fair dues. <laughs> ben, what you saying, my mate? I mean, what we've just established. I think it's going to be a tough game. I reckon Blackpool will be well up for it. Uh, similar to what Dane said earlier, uh, I reckon we will end up conceding. Uh, I hope it's not too early doors, though. Um, and I hope we're in front when when we do eventually, eventually concede. So I think we'll win. Uh, I'm going to go two one. I think it'll be a, a nervy game to begin with. I think they'll, they'll the lads will understand as soon as they walk out on that pitch um, how how much of a big game it is. Yeah. And I hope that doesn't impact them too much. Uh, I like the fact that the build up to it hasn't quite been as almost poisonous as what Wigan is uh, or was. So with, with any luck, we'll, uh, we'll we'll come away with three points. The uh, the Mark Isles phrase, spotty teenagers are, are less involved in, in this particular fixture, aren't they, in its history? So that's probably a possible reason as to why that, that that's that's the case. Um, Chris, what are you saying? I re really don't know how to call it. I might... I might go all Ange on you here and say I don't... You know, <laughs> no comment. You're bloody not. This is my segment, this. Give me some <laughs> No prediction. Oh, honestly, it's a, it's a really tough one to call. My fear is, and I think Brandon mentioned it before, it's that, oh, we turn up, bigger way following, it's going to be it's going to be a wall of orange behind that goal. The curse, the curse. Honestly, I can't get past, I can't get past it. We, we, we've broken so many hoodoos this season, though, haven't we? You know, Wickham away, never scoring there, never winning there, scoring four and winning. There's been a, there's been a few too many to mention. So I'm going to say that we're going to break that hoodoo, and I think we're going to, I think we're going to win comfortably three one. Can't where did that just come from? I think to score, I think we're going to see Randall Williams. 
I think we're going to see a Victor Adebayejo. And by the way, that shot last night definitely took a bobble before he hit it. And should hope so. Yeah. And I'm going to go with Josh Sheehan. Sheehan, Iniesta, yeah. Sheehan Iniesta screaming. Yeah. I've got a feeling he's going to really, really turn it on on Saturday. So that's well, my prediction. Let's hope so, because I thought last night he's probably played one of his worst worst games yeah. for a long time. Quite easy games, yeah. He was a bit quiet. Second half, he just came alive and started asking for the ball more and making himself available. And, you know, maybe they tired a little bit, so obviously they didn't get in his face yeah. and stuff and freed him up the space for him, possibly. Thank that's you very much, good. ladies and gentlemen. Pleasure. Absolutely. Good old awesome. little segment. Um, Thank I like you. that a lot. Indeed. We will hand over to your beloved Chris Dawson for his final segment. Not his final segment, but our final <laughs> segment. Oh, the fan zone. Um, he's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he's retiring. <laughs> uh, it's Chris's fan zone fan focus. For that, right? As Ben said, it's my fan focus, my swan song. It, it, it's a tough one this week because the points that and, and it happens a lot. This, to be honest, the points that I picked out we've we've covered off in, in a lot of detail. So, Lou, um, what do we do when Dempsey is back? Pardon the pun. Back. Um, I think we've we've covered that in a lot of detail, even with interaction in the chat, in terms of who is our ideal, who's our dream three. Um, so yeah, so that, I think that just goes to show what a very very pertinent point you raise, as we've already debated it at length. So mm. uh, yeah, I think we've had nine answers to that. We'll get that. But um, on that subject, Chris, at least yes, we don't have to throw. We don't have to throw him back in there. We can ease him in. No, down we there. don't. No, and, and you know what? That's a and really, yeah. really good point. Let him catch his sleep up. Yeah, yeah. Let him enjoy his first child. Let him get used to it, as um, a few of the lads have recently, haven't they? Obviously, but um, yeah, I think. There's no coincidence that the upturn in form recently is because we've had, and I think we've mentioned it before, a fully functioning midfield unit where he's not had to play through the pain and and make we have had to make do with a probably what 60-70% fit Carl Dempsey, which yeah. we can't do. We can't do. He's a tremendous player, but when he's not Fully committed to what he does, he's yeah. obviously nowhere near, and you need that. I mean, hats off to him for doing, but we shouldn't oh, be in that oh, position, should we? Lads, a credit, he really yeah. is. You know, and you look at his social media comments whilst he's been away. You know, he, he's a captain, isn't it? He's a captain. He's, he's a captain, big time. Yeah, he's um, just there, isn't he? He knows what it's about. So, um, in answer to your question, Lou, well, we've covered it off. And let the lad rest, let him get back, let him recuperate, let him spend time with his new baby, Jet, and um, get back when he's ready. But Chris, all the very best to him. Chris, can we um, replace that that question from Lou with um, a question that I've seen popping up several times in the chat this evening? Uh, not so well, kind of a question, but more of a, a comment as well. People, well, are, people are asking um, in terms of Liam Manning, Leaving Oxford, yeah. Where does that fit with? Yeah, this? good news. Good news. I say, good news. I'm, I'm presuming you've not got that in your phone. It's not. No, it's not because it wasn't. It wasn't put in the comments of the, on Twitter. Obviously, like you say, it's come up in the comments tonight quite a bit. Meant. Yeah. Um, and understandably, I, I was torn. I read a really interesting article about Liam Manning earlier, and I didn't realise his background that he started management at the age of 21. Mm. Um, he retired from a, a playing career due to injuries. He took a decision to retire early and, and, and go into coaching. And he's 
the article I read was quite interesting in the sense that they compared him to almost AI, that he's he's perfectly in tune with giving the right answer. There's no emotion. Everything's yeah. data-driven. So the most important thing to him is getting place to their KPIs, their key performance indicators, data-driven, no emotion. Ugh. And it's a tricky one. It's a real tricky one. So what we're saying is, has he really got the most out of Oxford? Or is it down to the, some brilliant signings that they made in the summer? Um, so some would say it could be disruptive, losing a manager, young manager who is influential. Um, and some would say that a new manager bounce, hey, they might get more out of those new players than he has already. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a real, real tough one. And yeah, I do need to pull the splinters out of my arse. I am sitting on the fence a little bit. <laughs> but the point being is, and I think it's absolutely valid, is you will not know probably for about five or six games mm. what effects it will really have on Oxford. And Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to say this with, with sincerity, I do genu genuinely feel for them because yeah, they had a really good season yeah. last season with Carl Robinson. They, they underperformed massively last season and they got back to something like expected to be in the playoff mix and then yeah. to lose the manager yeah. like that. But, you know, games into it, what was built by their board as a project at Oxford? I think um, the, the, their fans will probably expect to ensure that you stay within the playoff race now, I think, because I think for them to replace Manning and, and the way that they play uh, with a light for light, which I think they will do, and I, somebody's mentioned about maybe Gareth Ainsworth dropping to... Yeah, I saw that earlier as well, yeah. That was what simply won't happen because of the, the, the players that, that, that he signed at Oxford in the summer uh, aren't that Gareth Ainsworth type of player, so I very much doubt that'll happen in fairness. Um, yeah. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to post a video, and I know I should, probably shouldn't promote other podcasts, but as you lot... It's not a horse, is it? No. What, um, are, you, what are you done about? Yeah. So for those who don't know, I do quite a bit of, quite a bit of stuff with uh, Gab uh, on his EFL debate. And on, on that, <laughs> on, that often, <laughs> on that often is a lad called Jack, uh, Jack Ward, who does his own podcast. And for those, who don't listen, yeah, for those who don't listen to Jack, um, Jack's podcast, he's very, very insightful. But he's an Oxford United fan. And yesterday or the day before, he posted a small video basically explaining from an Oxford perspective the importance of Liam Manning. So for those who are interested in this particular segment, click on that after, hopefully, after, after this, one. this podcast. Yeah. It's only a 10-minute video. It'll give you a bit of an insight into uh, Liam Manning and Oxford and what he's done for them in a very, very short period of time. Um, but I think it will affect them massively, and I think they'll probably drop off a little bit. Um, but I think they would have probably dropped off anyway. I think because we've we've obviously got I think we've got better players in them in, in, in the hall over the course of the season. However, it's definitely good news for us. Um, in my thought, in my opinion. Ben, what you say? You're quite in tune with Oxford. I know you were waxing lyrical over some conference player that moved up a couple of divisions at the beginning of the season. I in my league predictions, I had them to finish really high up the table, and so far, uh, I predict quite right. And if, if I remember, Colin, didn't you put them like sort of like mid-table? Well, luckily for me, it is only November and they've just lost the manager, so I might be right, might I? We definitely need a recap on those at some point because I forgot yeah. me. We yeah. yeah, let us know if you want to want to see us react to our uh, league tables. Perhaps we'll do it at January, halfway through the season. Um, yeah, let's do a mid-season uh, mid one and a yeah, end-of-season one. Yeah. Speak, speaking of January... Um, We'll close it off with this one because I'm just conscious of time. Um, so apologies to anybody who I've missed, but we all know the score now. Um, Jack Halliwell and Johnny Wanderer raised the point. And I guess this has changed somewhat given that we've what, won 10 out of 15 League One matches and it's the best record since 96, 97. Just thought I'd get that in there. Um, that the planning for January maybe may have changed now, but 
where do we strength based on where we are now as of winning yesterday at Shrewsbury, where do we strengthen or where do we need to strengthen in January? Or do we go with what we've got? Discuss. Go on, oh. Colin. Two words. It would help. It would help, yeah. of course. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought it was Shiraz. Oh, it would help if I didn't mute myself. But I think Ben's just controlled. <laughs> I think Ben's just controlled me and just muted me off his own back. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. Um, <laughs> I think it's two positions that we need to fill in an ideal world. But I, yeah. I, I'm not necessarily sure whether we can because I think they're probably going to be the more expensive. Um, I, I, I think we will get promoted this season and I question whether Dion will get past 10 goals in, in the Championship. So I think we probably need to go all out and, and get somebody to play alongside him of a, of, a, of a similar ilk. Probably not going to be possible and probably something that needs to happen in the summer. But if it was me and we had the possibility, that would be an area. And secondly, in the centre of the park, because I think we're missing a ball-playing unit of a midfielder who will probably cost an arm and a leg, but will hopefully get us over the line and push us on next season. Um, what's that ladder used to be at Birmingham doing? I scored a couple of goals for Real Madrid. What's he? What's he? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, he's all right, isn't he? That lad, yeah. Is any more? Even his, even his uh, mum and dad produce any more of them? Any more players? Can we have one of them? That'd be all right. So there'll be another one on the way. Well, yeah, is, there a younger, is there an even younger one? Yeah. No, but serious. Centre I think he was screaming out for a, 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 a ball playing. Um, somebody who obviously gets tactically what whatever expects which is obviously going to cost a lot of money but yeah they're, they're my two positions I think, I think there's more chance of Ian ever having mucky teeth than us signing another striker and being pasty yeah <laughs> well yeah, i think i think what what, what i mean what, what you've got to consider chris is obviously cameron jerome is naturally going to go into some kind of coaching position in the summer i would suspect so that therefore opens up a position for another center forward um so i think you know it is Possibly, you've got to be on the radar because Dion, Dion won't score over 10 goals in the championship. He misses too many opportunities one-on-one. -on -one. And last night was a prime example. He'll need somebody to play alongside him that will score the ones that he misses, essentially. And for take us, the pressure off him. And yeah, for us to be competitive in the championship if we were to get promoted, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, because we want, we want to get up and we, we won't want to just survive. We want to at least you know try and test a few teams. I think... Um... We've all we've all said it before with regards to that hit house in midfield that Kyle Dempsey isn't it. Um Paris Magoma is you know a, a creative, expansive midfield. Yeah. Josh Sheehan, well we know what he can do. George Thomason can't be that player because the timing of his tackles isn't it. Let's let let's tip our cap. Since he's come back from suspension, he's had a grand total of zero yellow cards. Should have got away night. with that one last night. I don't know. I um, have a lot. He let a lot go last night. He did, and I respect the referee for that because yeah. you're in league one after all. Um, so yeah, so whilst we do have a an embarrassment of riches in that midfield, we do not have that aggressive Abdulai. Oh, what that 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 would just be ideal. But we just don't. Kumbini, obviously, as Brandon has just mentioned, has just signed a, an extension. With, yeah, we've filed, um, and but definitely a prospect for the future, but. It's, no, a, that, yeah. it's, it's a convenient in five years' time, ilk style stature of player that we're looking for in the January window. So, um, no, some really good questions and um, mentions to Luke Robinson. Unfortunately, Luke, I couldn't get yours in tonight, so to speak. Um, but thank you all for your contributions once again. They are massively appreciated. And uh, more next week. If you want to contribute even more, Get yourself on the prediction of the next episode. Yeah. What's the score? Come on, Dave. Yeah. It's not that Join us. Yep. 
Absolutely. Our next post-match episode will, of course, be Sunday, half past seven in the evening, where we look at, hopefully, another three-point podcast after Blackpool. Before then, of course, we've got our one-year special, uh, our one-year anniversary. So if you want to tune in tomorrow, join us, join Ben Laws, Tim Ream, and, of course, uh, David Wheater. Tune in tomorrow. We can't wait to welcome you and uh, we can't wait to be there. But until then, take care and we will see you in the next one. Tomorrow. Like and stuff. Tomorrow. All that stuff. All of that. See you tomorrow.